Here's a cannabis chemistry lesson. CBD stands for cannabidiol. It's the anti-inflammatory molecule in the cannabis sativa plant. Now, it won't get you buzzed, but it can improve your sleep, your anxiety, your pain, and it's why everyone wants it added to their drinks or their food. Right now, the FDA is hearing from the public about that very thing, and Carolyn Alency from Dwayne Morris was in Washington, D.C. a week ago for their first public hearing. Now we hear from her next on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Don't look now, but it's a whole new world of weed out there. Pot is flower, it's Bruce Banner and Blue Dream. You've got bongs and dabs, resin and shatter, vaping and edibles, new terms, new strains, and new ways to use cannabis sativa, the plant. Some just made with CBD and hemp has minimal THC. There's sativa and indica strains and 100 chemicals all legal in 10 states for adult use. There's a lot to get to know. Get used to it, folks, because it's legal in the Bay State and it's not going away. Neither is In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called cannabis sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young on location at the offices of Dwayne Morris, an attorney group here in Boston and not only in Boston, but across the United States. Joining me is Carolyn Alensi, who is a expert on the Food and Drug Administration. And she happened to be at the public hearing last week in Washington, D.C. And Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tell me a little bit about your expertise, a little bit uh, about your career and, and why uh, you're, everyone at the law firm says you're the go-to person when it comes to CBD. Uh, well, um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. Sure. Um, I appreciate being here and talking with you. Um, my practice is geared towards cannabis, but also the life sciences, cosmetics, medical devices, anything that's regulated by the FDA. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have a particular interest in cannabis because it's so new to the FDA area. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. So. It's in the whole business, the whole industry is fascinating right now because everyone recognizes that this is a historic moment in our time. Right. And documenting it and watching the history unfold has always been fascinating to me over the last year when I first started this podcast. So join the club. Yes. Um, and, and it, Proud member. <laughs> and, but I, as I tell people, and people say this to me all the time, oh, I want to get invested. You know, can you uh, give me a good stock to invest in? And I go, find a lawyer stock. Because mm -hmm. the attorneys are going to be the ones that are guaranteed to make money on this because you're interpreting new laws. Right. Is that accurate? Well, right now we don't have Any new regulations on from C FDA on right. CBD. Right. So we're tea leaf reading a little bit. Gotcha. Um, but hopefully we will have some. Well, last week soon. there was the public hearing. Right. Um, and it also coincided with a week before with the Department of Agriculture basically descheduling hemp and CBD and saying, guess what? We're not taking care of this anymore. That's an FDA issue. Is that pretty accurate on what happened with that? I think the 
Uh, so the 2018 Farm Bill mm -hmm. descheduled hemp and hemp-derived CBD, mm -hmm. um, and then it left it to the USDA and the FDA to regulate mm -hmm. hemp and hemp-derived CBD and the interstate commerce of it. Um, right. Of it, and the USDA, as far as I'm aware, has said that in August they're going to. Um, propose an interim final rule, mm -hmm. which um, is different than what they were originally planning to do, which was a notice and comment rulemaking. And so what that means is that once the rule is in place in August, hopefully, mm -hmm. uh, that will be the final rule, but they'll take additional comments and they may amend or, or update their rules. But they've said, we want to open interstate commerce for hemp so that these problems with hemp uh, transportation don't continue to occur because they, there were trucks being stopped at various state lines and being searched and then the drivers were being put in jail and, and all this and it was a big hassle because it looks like most of the um, legal community does not want to prosecute anymore. They really want the regulations to be put in place. Yes? Yeah, and I think the industry also wants regulations put in right. place. And that, that was an overarching theme, I think, from the industry stakeholders at the FDA public hearing was, we want to know what our boundaries are, what we can do, what we can't do, what we can say, what we can't say. Um, and I think that the FDA, by doing the public hearing, is showing that they're taking the initiative to try and do that more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but they really want data data, data, data. They're a very data-driven organization, not surprisingly because the public health is at stake. Right. Um, and that's their mission. Right. And of course, therein lies the catch-22 because it's like, well, how can we get research done when it's still a federal illegal substance at Schedule 1? Well, I think there's an important distinction to mm -hmm. be made between THC and CBD mm -hmm. and hemp-derived CBD. Mm -hmm. I think that we're likely to see regulations from the FDA on hemp-derived CBD mm -hmm. because that's what has been descheduled under the 2018 Farm Bill and what the 2018 Farm Bill gave them the ability to regulate. Mm -hmm. And right now, their position is still that CBD from hemp cannot be a food additive or a dietary supplement. And I think that's where the but tension great. is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so can I ask what you, this would be an opinion, not a legal opinion. Um, do you expect them to highly regulate this CBD or are they pretty much going to say, we're going to treat this like many additives from the past that we've discovered that can be put in food to actually enhance people's enjoyment of food and their lives? I think it depends on what the data is going to show. Mm -hmm. But I think that industry definitely wants the FDA to look to the dietary supplement and the food additive guidelines in mm. order to try and move the process along more quickly and to get some clear guidelines and regulations and rules. And I think that we've already seen uh, three hemp seed products get what we call generally recognized as safer grass status which, as a food additive. Mm -hmm. um, but we haven't seen that for all CBD yet. And right. and I think that's where industry would like to see it go because it's a, a faster pathway, but data is still required for that. So the FDA would get data 
um, but it wouldn't be to the level of clinical trial and, data. And as I continue to do research on this, which is fascinating because I was horrible at chemistry, <laughs> uh, finding out there are 82 phytocannabinoids in this plant, does this mean that we're going to have CBD issues and hearings and CBN issues and CBDS issues and all the other little phytocannabinoids that they're discovering on this plant and everything's going to get regulated or do you expect it to be an umbrella for the whole plant? And I guess that's a tough question. That is a tough question. Yeah. I think that um, under a dietary supplement type regulatory framework, mm -hmm you would need to submit an application for a new dietary ingredient for each of those, and you would have to have data to show safety and efficacy. Um, the good thing about doing it through the dietary supplement pathway is that you can make structure function claims. Mm -hmm. So you can make claims that um, you know it helps your health in certain ways that you can't do if it's a food additive. Gotcha, gotcha, and of course, um, Everybody wants to, everybody, let me rephrase that. There are companies out there in the beverage industry. There are companies out there in um, adult beverage industry that want to infuse their products with CBD. And uh, as a member of the public and someone who uses adult beverages, I would like to see it regulated and tested before it's put into any food product. And I'm guessing that's what the FDA is hearing a lot of. Is what was the, the tenure, of, what was the atmosphere like at the public hearing um, as far as the uh, arguments that were being made or at least the information that was being shared? Sure, so it was a pretty wide spectrum. Um, there were over 100 pre presentations made to the FDA's panel. Mm -hmm. um, some were two minutes, some were five minutes with slideshows. Um, mm -hmm. And it really ranged from um, members of the public and consumers who who said that marijuana could cause their friend or son or daughter to commit suicide all the way to I've never had a side effect. You also had academics, you had industry stakeholders, you had medical professionals, you really had a very wide spectrum. Um, and I think that the regulations are going to be somewhere in the middle of what everybody wants. Um, but I think, it again, the key is, are we talking about THC? Are we talking about CBD? Are we talking about hemp-derived CBD? And that's going to be really important for the FDA to parse out in their regulations. Right. And there are differentiations here. I mean, uh, you can make the claim that CBD is psychoactive but non-intoxicating. That, to me, is the key uh, when you're talking to people because people think, oh, CBD, that comes from that, that cannabis plant, mm -hmm. you know, that everybody calls marijuana. So I know I don't want to have that in my system because they're being brainwashed over 80 years of propaganda. And that, right. you know, I think we're finally moving past that. And as people get educated, more and more people are coming around to the fact that, you know what, there's some pretty good health benefits to this plant. Well, and that's what the FDA's questions always came around to was, What's the data for that? Mm -hmm. If you say it's non-psychoactive, what's the data for that? Mm -hmm. If you say there are health benefits, what's the data for that? Mm -hmm. And so the docket continues to be open until July 2nd. Mm -hmm. So there's already over 14,000 or 1,400, excuse me, postings mm -hmm. um, to the public docket. Um, and the more data, the better. And the uh, from any source, really. Yeah, I was going to say, does that mean me? Can I go on and do a public? Of course. Just, that's the whole point of this, right. is to let 
the public know uh, about what's going on, and they want to hear your stories. I remember Steve Agreed. Hoffman at the Cannabis um, Commission right here in Massachusetts said, we want to hear everybody's stories yeah. because anecdotally, there's more anecdotic and anecdotal evidence than there is scientific evidence just because it hasn't been able to be researched as much because it's been a federally illegal product. Agreed. And so the anecdotal evidence and data is important, but the FDA wants more scientific data. Mm -hmm. The more scientific data, the better. And I think that was one of the overarching themes for the academics was you need to put down the barriers to research so we can get you this data. We want to get you this data, but we need to be able to get access to high quality Cannabis. cannabis. Right. That's really what it comes down to. Right. It's still a plant, and it's a live plant. And we brought one live plant on with us, too, <laughs> by the way. I just wanted to, it's not a cannabis plant, just for the record, but it's here for a reason. Um, the NCIA, the National Cannabis Industry Association, w testified, I know, at the FDA hearings, and I know some of the people there personally. I think they've done an amazing job in the last it seems like ever since Massachusetts went legal in 2016 to become the first East Coast state that all of a sudden everybody recognizes that, whoa, we could probably benefit from making this a regulated substance. And it, I think they've done a great job of moving the needle, but there's that one wall that still exists. It's the Safe Banking Act. The fact that these people cannot do banking in a industry that has been, you know, taboo for so long. Um, what, again, your opinion, not a legal opinion. Uh, this is Carolyn's opinion. Mm -hmm. um, do you expect the Safe Banking Act to be passed in 2019? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I good really answer, by know. the way. Th that's my lawyer answer for Okay, you. that was good, that was um, good. <laughs> but I think that once the FDA speaks, I think we'll know more about what people are going to be feel, feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And I think that the industry wants regulations because they want to make the consumers feel more comfortable with their products. They want to weed out the bad actors. They want to make sure that the best products are on the market. Um, and to do that, you need good manufacturing practice compliance, you need laboratory testing to make sure your potencies and your concentrations are accurately labeled, you need labeling requirements, you need to know what kinds of warnings you need to put on your labels to make the consumers feel comfortable and trust the industry more than I think they do now. No question that there's that trust issue among that. Um, but I, I just wonder, there are still plenty of people out there who will take nutritional supplements that have those stickers on it that say, this is a non-FDA approved item. And mo a lot of people don't care. They really don't. They're looking at it and they're like, okay, that's protecting them, but I can, I can decide what I want to put in my body. And I've heard that this um, gets rid of belly fat, that this helps me sleep, that this is going to make me perkier and more alert. Um, anybody, it, it, it's just human nature to look for an edge. And I think that CBD, now that they've uh, actually discovered the endocannabinoid system in all humans and mammals, that they recognize, whoa, this is, is, is act interacting. The dog universe, mm. you know, the, the, and I know that this is not, you know, but there are people out there who swear that giving CBD to their dog has improved their dog's lives exponentially. Um, yeah, there were... Um, presentations from mm -hmm. uh, veterinarian groups and, yep. groups and yep. uh, veterinarians mm -hmm. asking the Center for Veterinary Medicine to 
come on board and to give them regulations as well. How long do you think this is going to take, Carolyn? I don't know. Yeah. I think that the lack of data and the lack of clarity is going to make it go slower than people want it to. Right. Um, I do know that the FDA has a working internal working group that they mm -hmm. have set up mm -hmm. to look at these issues, that they've done this public hearing in order to get the information. Uh, the public docket closes in July, July 2nd, mm -hmm. um, and then they'll be reviewing the They're going to take a vacation. Of, uh, they're going right. to take a vacation, okay? <laughs> Come on. And then they're going to start reviewing it because I don't think they're going to be on the beaches of America looking at these reports. Well, one press release did say that they were going to start rolling out some of their findings in August. I don't know whether or not that timeline will get pushed back. It, it you know. We'll see. Everything has taken longer than the industry wants, and right. I know it's been frustrating for those in the industry. Right. Um, but I guess they want to get it right. Everybody keeps coming back to that. I remember Steve Hoffman talking about that at the Cannabis Control Commission. Look, we want to get it right. We want to listen to everybody and make decisions and have good, intelligent conversations mm -hmm. about this based on science and research. And as you said, you know, it's still a catch-22 because it's tough to research something that's still illegal federally. Right. But even, even the... Um, Everything's starting to ease up a little bit. I, th I think the initial reactions are starting to soften a little bit. Um, this is a true democracy at work, where you're hearing the people wanting this, this plant to be legalized, or at least regulated properly, mm -hmm. maybe that's a better word, regulated properly and decriminalized, and having a lot of records expunged that, uh, of, again, from the uh, war on drugs for those who have been adversely affected on this. And those are all good things. And it's being driven by people and their opinions. And that's what a democracy is, isn't it? That's one of the things that's the most fascinating thing about this whole mm. thing. But I think, again, you need to make sure that you're separating THC and CBD from non-hemp mm -hmm. and hemp-derived CBD. And I think that FDA is going, is under the 2018 Farm Bill is looking at the hemp-derived CBD. And so it's important to keep those two buckets separate. We understand, more importantly, create the separation. Right. Is what you're saying, and document it and regulate it so that mm -hmm. you know where the line is, whether it's 0.3% THC, which is the legal definition of what hemp is. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as far as an industry goes, um, there's a very good chance that this could replace the tobacco industry in the South. And it's one of the reasons why I think Mitch McConnell um, from Kentucky is, is out there making sure that he's signing things with his hemp pen and moving this forward. But I also have to ask him, why didn't you sign off on the bill immediately before you investigated a little bit more about what this meant? Mm. And again, cart before the horse, whatever cliche you want to use here, but it has definitely sped up the opportunity for the industry to get the regulations that they need to start, yes? Yeah, yeah I think that it started the discussion in a real way where FDA can actually start to, to provide regulations mm -hmm. for CBD from hemp.
-hmm. And I think that before they couldn't even start that conversation. Right. So it started now. And do you think that there's enough education and educational efforts out there, not just to educate the legislatures that are out there, but also to the public? Because the public's got to be really confused about what's going on. And I saw another uh, commercial or public service announcement on television um, explaining the differences between hemp and uh, marijuana. I don't like to use the word if I can, but it, to differentiate the two, it is a differentiator mm -hmm. um, and, and all that, but it is what it is. Um, I think that yeah. from the hearing, mm -hmm. um, the stakeholders want more education. Mm -hmm. They want to make sure that the public is well informed. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of that is going to be done through labeling mm -hmm. regulations by the FDA. Um, and labeling includes both what's on the packaging, but also anything that's said or written online or published about a product. And I think that's where you're going to get more education. I think, too, the academics want to provide education, but they need more access to be able to do research. Yeah. And that's where you're going to find the education coming from. Right. Too bad that nobody listened to Barney Frank back in the 70s when he wanted to do this because <laughs> we would be so far ahead now and moving forward with research and we'd have so much knowledge. Um, people are still reacting to the uh, propaganda that we lived with for, for many years. Um, that's great, Carolyn. I, I, anything else from that hearing that really stuck out to you as far as like, wow, I didn't know this, or I'm really glad that they brought this up. Was there any one uh, particular testimony or story that you heard that really stands out as this is one of the reasons why we need the regulation? I think that overall there was a lot of um, information that yep. was provided mm -hmm. and I think that in the end it, it really did come down to we want this we want these regulations we want to know what's going on um, and so there was a lot more of that being said than any particular standout story per mm -hmm. se mm -hmm. um, and I think that the FDA uh, is looking at how do we do this with the public safety in mind? How do we make sure that these aren't being marketed to adolescents and children, that they're safe for pregnant women, that, mm -hmm. that, that there's some kind of core regulations and rules that provide um, clear lines on that? Right, and, and, and proper decisions. There's a lot of pressure on the right. FDA right now to get it right coming out of the box, yes? Yeah, I mean... Are you confident that they're going to be able to do this? That's another one I'd love to get your opinion on, but not a legal opinion. <laughs> I think that they have a lot that they can use as reference. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the dietary supplements, the food additives, if they decide to go that route. Um, I think that they are... It's never completely right out of the box, and to do it quickly with limited data gives them agita, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we'll see rules come out and regulations come out, and then I think we'll see guidances that supplement that, that give 
better understanding, and then those will be updated, and I think it's going to be an iterative process, really. And yet we still have CBD being sold at gas stations, and um, now topicals and lotions are being sold at CVS and Walgreens. And by the way, if you have not tried this topical for anti-inflammatory, for any inflammation you might have on your shoulder, if you're a tennis player or a golfer, I recommend it. Anecdotally, I don't have any research. All I know is when I rub it on, the pain goes away. Okay, and that's a good thing for those who suffer from chronic pain. I mean, the cosmetic industry is a little different. The regulations are different. Um, so I think that right now, they're in a different bucket than the food and the dietary supplements as right. far as CBD. And one of the things about the uh, food, you mentioned that, I, I remember a survey by the U.S. Restaurant Association of all the chefs that belong, and 77% returned uh, that they wanted to be able to use CBD as an additive in food. So again, the, the, the people who actually prepare food for us at restaurants mm -hmm. really want to start using this product because they see it as a health benefit to their food. Now, whether or not that gets communicated and we see it in these regulations, only time will tell. Exactly. All right, Carolyn Alensi, thank you so much for joining me here at the Dwayne Morris Conference Room. By the way, every conference room has names. Is there a name to this one? Conference Room A. Conference Room <laughs> A. I'm sure they didn't spend a lot of time on that one. But anyway, uh, thank you so much for joining us here thank in you for Boston. Me. And I want to thank everybody who contributes to the In the Weeds program here. Joyce Gerber is our executive producer. Steve Helmuth is our director. So for Carolyn Alensi, I'm your host, Jimmy Young. And remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. This podcast is produced by the Pro Cannabis Media Group out of Boston, Massachusetts for the enjoyment and education of our audience. Any medical advice or opinions shared are not a reflection of the Pro Cannabis Media Management or any of the In the Weeds distributors, including CLNS Media and C-Suite Network.